It's Thursday, April 15th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me from the financial capital of the United States of America, it's Maria Gallagher. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. We've got consumer goods, we've got apparel retail, but we are going to start today with a little bit of the big macro. The U.S. Commerce Department reported that retail sales in March rose nearly 10%. That was significantly higher than expected, and we can go in any direction you want here. If you're looking by category, sporting goods, clothing, food and beverage were all up significantly. and. For anyone who was worried that people getting stimulus checks were going to just put them in the bank, (laughs) uh, don't worry about that anymore, because it looks like they put them to work and they're spending money. Yeah, I think it's super interesting. So, it's kind of a combo of factors. So, you see those easing of restrictions for states, those increasing vaccinations and pent-up demand, and the rollout of the third round of stimulus checks all combined brought a really big uh, jump in retail sales in March. So bar and and restaurant industry was up 13.5%. Sporting goods spending or hobby spending was up over 23%. Clothing and accessories were up almost 20%. And motor vehicle parts and dealers were up another 15%. So this is compared to in May of 2020, after the first round of stimulus checks, there was a jump of about 18.3%, but consumer confidence is at its highest level since COVID began, and the U.S. employers added 916,000 jobs in this past past month, so unemployment rate is down to about 6%. So, all really positive signs for an economic recovery in the next couple of months. Yeah, it it brings to mind a couple of things, and I'm glad you mentioned the the recent jobs report because this is one of those. And look, we we we're foolish investors. We focus on the businesses, we focus on the leadership, all that sort of thing. But this is one of those macroeconomic data points that, when you put it in context, really does point to um, uh, a great counterpoint to anyone out there who is wondering how much higher can the market go. You know, the market's at an all-time high. I mean, the S&P 500 is hitting another new high today. And so, for people who are wondering, like, well, how much higher can the market go? Well, it can go higher because, <laughs> you know, on the heels of the latest jobs report, when you look at the, I mean, the expectation was that spending was going to grow 6%. It grew nearly 10%. I mean, that's, you know, that's a massive increase. And, Already, people are looking ahead and, and trying not to jinx things for the April jobs report, which we'll get in uh, a couple of weeks. So, um, it, it really is pretty interesting to see how this has played out. Um, but again, I don't want to jinx anything. You know, I, it, it, particularly when it comes to when you think about the food and beverage industry, when you think about the restaurants and bars and that sort of thing, there is a version of this where we. slowly, methodically open back up. And if we do this the right way, then I think it means tremendously good things for that industry. Yeah, I agree. And they're now forecasting U.S. economic growth of up to over 6% in 2021, which is much higher than originally forecasted. So, I think experts are saying, you know, we weren't sure about what this pent-up demand would look like. We're not sure what the long-term impacts of this unemployment would be or what the impacts of the stimulus checks would be. And now they're seeing that pent-up demand comes in strong. People are excited about going out again. People are willing to go out again. And they've hopefully been able to retain work, 
build up some savings with the stimulus checks, whatever they're doing. And as more jobs can roll in, more people can get the economy back to normal. And so I think that it's really um, giving a lot of these economists and these uh, these people more faith in, in how this recovery can look. Did anything in this report surprise you? Because I got to be honest, the sporting goods <laughs> being up 23% over the previous month, that category surprised me. It was great to see, but I definitely wouldn't have predicted that. I was kind of surprised by the motor vehicle parts up 15%. I think there's been more of an increase in buying cars, but as someone who lives in a city, I'm always surprised by how many people buy cars all the time. Speaking of where people are spending their money, shares of American Eagle Outfitters are hitting an all-time high this morning after the company says they expect revenue in the first quarter to top $1 billion. And... I've said plenty of times that I think apparel retail is such a tough place for investors because it seems like every publicly traded company in the apparel retail space has put together, at some point in the past decade, they've put together a good run for a year or so, but it's almost like you have to time the market with them. You look at the last five years for American Eagle, it's a pretty good track record they've built up. Yeah, what I think is pretty fascinating about American Eagle is their growth story really revolves around their Airy brand. So you see kind of two different stories. They're trying to focus on growth within Airy, and then they're trying to focus on capital allocation and streamlining profitability within that core American Eagle brand. So Airy is their loungewear, swimwear, intimates, and soft apparel segment. So you might be familiar with their real models. They have no touch-ups. They celebrate diversity. And so that's been a really popular consumer branding strategy for them in the past. And so they're 2023 target has a total um, total revenue of $5.5 billion, and that's really fueled by airy growth. So that's $3.5 billion is American Eagle, which is about holding steady, and $2 billion of, um, of airy, which is over doubling from where they are today. And so they have a really big market within airy. They have a $65 billion addressable market within that within that um within that segment and so i think it's really interesting because they're growing within there and then with the core american eagle segment they're actually decreasing the amount of store count they're at 880 stores now they're targeting 600 to 700 in the next couple of years but they are still the number one favorite brand for jeans so they're trying to maintain that revenue and increase profitability so you see kind of two different things happening with american eagle but i think it's really smart allocation strategies for american eagle and really exciting growth strategies for airy and we're seeing both of those play out pretty much according to plan. It's interesting about the the store count because you know dramatically more American Eagle stores than there are Airy stores is the when you get a sense of their growth strategy with the Airy brand um, how like do you think they're doing a good job of sort of balancing store count versus digital sales? I think so because they're targeting a lot of digital sales sales for Airy. And so as they grow out that Airy store account, I think they're going to have smaller store footprints, which is important for those overall uh, same store sales growth. Um, And so I think that'll be really interesting to see what those stores look like moving forward. But I do think that they're focusing a lot on their digital strategy and they have their plan to increase consumer spending within the Airy brand and increase the number of customers within that Airy brand as well. And the amount of active wear is their next, I think, foray is expanding from intimates and loungewear now more to active wear. Last thing before we move on, do you look within the apparel retail space, 
is American Eagle starting to separate itself as a business from the, you know, Abercrombie and Fitches of the world? I think that the way they've been able to pivot towards Aerie in a really smart way, and they stand out in terms of their marketing, in terms of their plan for eco-friendly clothing, I think that they really take the pulse of the consumer well and have pivoted in a really strong way. And so I respect that um, in a way that I don't know that a lot of other retailers have been able to. So I'm excited to see what they do moving forward. Two quick things before we get to our last story. Uh, First, next week, we're going to have our 2000th episode of this show. Wow, congrats. I, I don't I don't really know how to feel about that. I, I just it was one of those things. I was I was like, I think we're coming up. Yeah, we're we're next week is gonna be the two thousandth episode of the show. So um hopefully by episode two thousand I'll I'll figure out how to feel about that. But uh uh right at the moment I'm just feeling old. Um second thing, as always, if you're looking for more stock ideas for your watch list, you can check out Stock Advisor. It is the flagship service here at the Motley Fool. It's been around a lot longer than Market Foolery has been. You get stock recommendations from Tom and David Gardner. You get their best buys now and a lot more. Go to stockideas.fool.com and get a 50% discount for being one of the dozens of listeners. I'm not sure why we're giving away that much money, but we've decided to do that. So, stockideas.fool.com. Pepsi's profits and revenue came in higher than expected in the first quarter. and. Maria, once again, I'm reminded of the diversification of the Pepsi Corporation's business, how it it, it really paid off once again, because the Frito-Lay snack division was doing the heavy lifting here. Yeah, I love, as you know, I love to come on and talk about snack food. So, PepsiCo had revenue growth of 6.8% last quarter and earnings per share growth of almost 30%. They held or gained market share across most of their key global snack and beverage markets with notable improvements in U.S. snacks and beverage. And then in terms of international growth, I really liked these phrasings. They gained savory share in many of the largest international markets. That includes Mexico, Brazil, China, and Russia. They also gained beverage share in the U.S., Russia, Saudi Arabia, and Thailand. Uh, like you said, Frito-Lay really did a lot of the heavy, heavy lifting. It had two-year organic revenue growth of 10% and 3% organic revenue growth this quarter. Quaker had about 1% revenue growth, uh, but that's lapping a pretty difficult comparison because as of March of last year, you as we see, some of these companies will have either a very easy March of last year to overcome this year or a very difficult. And Quaker is one of those more difficult ones as people had increased consumer demand for snack food and buying things in bulk at home. Um, and then they had some some strong growth in PepsiCo North America and their international business. And I wanted to note that their better agenda is achieving their uh, climate goal of net zero emissions by 2040, which is 10 years pre the Paris Climate Agreement. So they highlighted that that as well, which I think is exciting for for brands. And when you think of these big conglomerates, I think you always like to see them, um, or I at least like to see them putting some sort of focus on sustainability moving forward as well. And to go back to what we saw in the March retail report in terms of restaurants and bars, Pepsi, and you can throw Coca-Cola in there as well. I mean, they're they're going to benefit by stadiums opening up, by a return to live events, concerts, etc., and bars and restaurants because that. Never forget the profit margins on those fountain drinks <laughs> is just so much better for Pepsi and Coca-Cola than it is. For when you're buying a six pack. 
Yeah. And um, as people are going on more road trips, stopping off at gas stations to get I can't imagine a road trip without some good Tostitos or Lay's or Ruffles. What what is your what is your go to snack? And and and, I, and when I say snack, of course, I'm referring to sort of the salty, savory snack. I'm not a great snacker, but I think in my ultimate my ultimate times of snacking probably Cheetos. I was a big Cheetos fan. Wait, when you say you're not a great snacker, does that mean? What does that mean? Because there are some people who are like, I'm not a great snacker. And what they mean is like, I don't really eat a lot of snacks. And some people, when they say, I'm not a great snacker, they mean, I always have my hand in a bag of Cheetos. No, I'm not a great snacker. My snacking is kind of lame. I eat a lot of carrots and walnuts <laughs> and stuff like that. It's not fun snacking. You're a very healthy snacker. Yeah. So, so mine, and this is one of those things where I don't know if you've noticed this um, in sort of your grocery shopping, because it's it, I've I've seen it not just in snacks, although I'm going to mention a snack example, but I've seen this in groceries in general. Is that during the pandemic, certain products just kind of disappeared, like not the whole category, but certain products within that category. So one that uh, uh, you know, uh, Rick Frontera, uh, the yeah. chef, and he's he's got uh, like a line of. Of prepared foods and and that sort of thing, and um, he's got some sauces, and I noticed that the Whole Foods uh, near my house, I don't know, just a few months into the pandemic, the uh, the medium spice version of that sauce just disappeared. They oh, only wow. have the they only have the hot version. They the, the medium one is gone. And when it comes to snacks, my indulgence is the Tostitos brand queso. Which is not the greatest queso in the world. You can get like there are restaurants locally where you're going to get much better queso, but it just you know, for me it kind of hits the spot. Like all right, I don't do this all the time, but when I'm indulging, I'll do this, and it it just kind of disappeared. I was very excited because earlier in the week I, I did did a quick run to the grocery store and it was on the shelf, and I should have grabbed as I should have just grabbed all of them, but I didn't want to look like a crazy person. That's exciting. I hope that. Your summer is filled with Tostitos branded queso. If my summer is filled with Tostitos brand queso, then I'm gonna gain 20 pounds in a, <laughs> like in no time at all. So, so I, I hope it's an every now and then indulgence. Uh, Maria, thanks for being here. Always great talking to you. Thanks so much for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday. Mm-hmm.